we've been in this series on victory. We've been talking about what it means to be victorious. And we really are comfortable with the word victory. We love hearing the word victory because in our own lives, we set a lot of personal goals. And once we achieve those goals, we feel as though we're victorious. So just say it with me just for a moment. Let's just hear the word victory. Just say it with me, victory. Okay, now like say like you mean it though, victory. victory. Yeah, see there's something about it. Like it kind of brings a smile to our face. It gives us a little bit of that oomph inside of our hearts. It gives our spirit a little bit of a jive to go to. When we say that word victory, there is something tied to it that gets us upbeat because we are looking forward to something happening that is better than what we are currently doing or in. That's what victory is for us. Victory is that predestined, predetermined hope within us that we are looking to achieve. We're looking to see something on the horizon. And when once, once we get there, once we achieve it, once we arrive, we say, yes, I have been victorious in that moment or victorious in that situation. There are many types of victory. There's victory over habits in our lives. We have victory over sickness and disease that some of you have battled for years. And finally, you get that breakthrough and you have victory over it. And you, you finally know what it means to have a good bill of health. We have a victory in areas of our finances. Some of us have battled for years and, and we fight being in debt. And then all of a sudden we come out of that debt and we say, yes, I have accomplished this. I am living in a place of victory over my finances. And some of us in relationships that we have battled through for years and fought through, we finally experience victory. There's all numerous types of victory. I could just go on for the whole morning as to what types of victory there are. But I want to get a little bit deeper to this morning with us. We have to realize that in order to achieve victory, in order to accomplish victory in our lives, there are steps that have to be taken. I wish it was so easy that I could tell you that you can just wake up and enter into victory. <laughs> that you could just go about your day and boom, victory is right there for you. But it's not like that. Somehow it's been designed by the Lord, which I'm going to explain in a few minutes, that there are steps for us to walk and accomplish victory in our lives. Now I have a question for you this morning. Because this morning we're going to talk about breaking free. Now, I'm not going to talk about breaking free personally. A lot of times when we think of breaking free and, and obtaining victory, we think about in our personal lives. We will tend to think like, well, I have this habit in my life, this sin issue in my life that, that I want to break free from and I want to gain victory in. And yes, I'm totally in support of that. That's obviously biblical. But today I want to talk to you about breaking free from evil when it is pressing against us. And how do we become victorious? So I'm going to pose this question to you this morning. How do you break free from evil when it seems to always be winning in your life? Let me repeat that one more time. How do you break free from evil when it seems to always be winning in your life? Some of us can relate to this. I want you to think about that hard for a moment. 
It seems as though we can look around in our community of faith sometimes and we look at individuals and we say, do they ever have problems? And we look at ourselves and it feels as though every avenue of our lives, it seems as though we're in a, in a box and every wall seems to be pressing in on us. And everywhere we turn, it seems as though evil is right there staring us in the face. It seems as though the attack is relentless, one after another. You gain enough breath just to move forward a few steps, and before you know it, you're right back in the ring wrestling with evil again. So how in the world do we break free when evil is pressing in on us? It's not that hard to see that evil is everywhere around us. We turn on the television, we look at social media, we talk with friends, with family. Evil is present. A few weeks ago, I had mentioned in my message and saying that we haven't even touched the cusp of the increase of evil that will come as we gain more and more time. As, as the return of Jesus comes, evil will increase even more. Somehow, it seems to be different it seems to be easier that we can encourage other people when they're facing evil, but when it comes against us personally, we handle it a lot differently. You ever think about that? Your friend will call you up on the phone and they're really down. They feel like they've been overcome. They, they feel like they're not being victorious and they pour their heart out to you and you just have scripture after scripture. Let me pray for you. Let me give you some encouragement. And then it happens to us. And we find ourselves slowly depleting a little bit day after day. And we begin to wonder if ever we will be victorious. And when we face evil and we're not breaking free from it, we have to understand this. And this is what I want to encourage you with. Wherever evil triumphs, our confidence must be in God. Wherever evil triumphs, our confidence must be in God. It's real easy to say, right? It's real easy to say, but it's another thing to try and live it out. It's another thing to try and really believe it in our hearts, connect it with our minds, and begin to walk it out. It's a battle. It's not easy. But I do have some encouragement for us this morning. The first thing is this. There is nothing new about the strategies of evil, but there are always fresh strategies with God. We must remember this. There is nothing new under the sun. The enemy has not created anything new because he doesn't have the power, he doesn't have the authority, and he doesn't have the creativity to do so. But with God, it is never ending we always have the upper hand, though it may not look like it, though it may not feel like it. We always have the upper hand as Christ followers because we serve a God who is far greater than the enemy ever will be. And therefore, that enables us to have a confidence, a supernatural confidence that we have never had before. 
And if we are Christ followers who are going to break free from the grips of evil in our lives, there has to be a confidence in who Jesus is and it must increase continuously. We here at Erie First always say that we are on a journey with Jesus. And part of that journey is this confidence in who God is. We have to put ourselves in a place where it is a continuum over and over, even a daily lifestyle, where we're constantly increasing our confidence in Jesus Christ and who he is. When I think of somebody who understood what it meant to break free, I think of David. David is one of my favorite characters of the Bible. He was a warrior, he was a prophet, he was a king, he was a psalmist. And today we're gonna camp out in the book of Psalms. I like the book of Psalms because it's filled with many different varieties. It's filled with encouragement. It's filled with lament. It's filled with songs that are victorious. And it's also filled with insight for those of us who are Christ followers. So I'm gonna ask you to join with me this morning in in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 11. And we're gonna look at this short passage And we are going to gain not only encouragement from this this morning, but we're going to gain some strategy. We're going to gain some strategy to break free from evil that is pressing in on us in our lives. Psalm 11 verses 1 through 3 says this, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For For look, the wicked bend their bows They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, believe it or not, this is a psalm of thanksgiving and trust. That's how David wrote this psalm when he starts out. On one hand, he's being thankful. He's declaring to God and saying, God, thank you for being my deliverance. Thank you for being my rescuer. Thank you for the one to coming into my situation and removing me. But at the same time, he's also giving this, this what you would call like a pre-trust, a pre-declaration that he's shouting out to God saying, I don't see you yet. But what I do see is evil. I don't see your presence really prominent right now. But what I do see is a lot of evil pressing against me. But I am going to trust you. I have a confidence in you that you will deliver, that you will come through at the right moment, at the right time, even when I least expect it. And so if we want to break free, we have to look beyond the immediate. If we want to break free, we have to look beyond the immediate. Unfortunately, it's so easy that we have trained ourselves to become circumstantial Christians. Think about that for a moment. Circumstantial Christians. I kind of liken it to a pit. You ever deal with a situation and the situation is in front of you like a pit. You find yourself falling into that pit, that circumstance. You find yourself surrounded all the way around. And instead, 
instead of looking to Jesus, instead of being seated in heavenly places with Christ, we kind of take this position in our pit like this. And we just kind of sit down. We lose our confidence to stand. Our strength begins to deplete. We don't reference the word or the promises of God. And, and then we begin to take on the lies of the enemy. The dirt, the lies of the enemy begins to fall in, begins to slowly trickle down into our pit. And the level of dirt, the level of lies, the level of the strategy of the enemy starts to build up around us. And finally, we begin to look up out of our pit and we begin to say things like, I just don't have the courage to climb that wall. I just don't have the strength to pull myself up out of there. Oh, if only somebody could, could come rescue me. If only somebody could hear me, but, but I doubt there's anybody that understands this. I doubt that there's anybody that really cares about my situation. I doubt there's anybody that can really relate to what I'm going through right now. And slowly but surely we become circumstantial Christians. And then we begin to live from those. And we have a choice. We can choose to live in our circumstances. We can choose to live in that pit and become really well known and intimate with that pit. Or we can choose to be seated in heavenly places with Christ where we actually belong. Now, let me explain that and break that down. I'm not talking about like, you know, you go over to the spiritual elevator, you know, hit, hit floor number 12. You know, you're up, you get out and you're in the throne room of heaven and anything. I'm not talking about that. Sitting with Christ in heavenly places is a choice of intimacy with Jesus. It is a choice of intimacy. It is taking the word of God and investing ourselves into a discipline of reading the word and knowing the promises of God. What has he promised us for that situation? When evil comes against us, we immediately resort to the word of God. And we begin to pull up everything that he has told us, everything that he has promised us. And we begin to declare that back to push evil back. What about a lifestyle, a discipline of prayer? When we are in a circumstance, our immediate response should be to move to prayer. But sometimes our immediate response isn't prayer, it's complaining, it's worry, it's fear. And then lies begin to set in and overtake us. That's what it means to be seated in heavenly places. The psalmist here begins to unravel something to us. And the good news is, is that God sees both the righteous and he sees the wicked. Think about that for a moment. How many times do you feel when evil is pressing in on you? Don't you ever wonder it? Sometimes I know I do. I'm standing in the midst of evil and I'm surrounded by it. And all I can do is feel it. I can see it. I can feel the breath of evil. And I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, God, any moment now you can show up. But I don't hear him. I don't see him. I don't feel him. And in moments and times, it feels as though when I pray, it's like my words just kind of trickle out and like run down my lips into the floor. It's like heaven is brass and they're not going up anywhere. Do you ever feel like that in those moments? 
But the word tells us that God not only sees us, but he also sees the wicked. And he is very well aware of what they are doing. He hasn't forgotten the evil that seems to prevail against us. We need a confidence in the Lord that withstands trial. We need to have a confidence in the Lord that withstands persecution. A confidence within the Lord that endures temptation. And the only way that confidence will come is by disciplining ourselves enough with a lifestyle of seeking the Lord intimately. When the psalmist opens up with this, when David opens up with this, it's interesting what he says. He says, how can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? What he was referencing was there was a group of friends, a group of advisors around him that were advising him to run and flee. Do it in your own strength, David. Run and flee. The evil's so great, where's your God? Just go run and get away. Do it in your own strength. Use your own resources. And God was saying, no, I am your resource. I am your strength. You don't need to run. What you need to do is stand and know how to endure and have confidence that I will be the one who removes you. That's what it means to break free. David tells us that God will reward each of us according to our actions. Now there's two rewards here. There's one reward that is good. That's the reward that we want to, ob to obtain. The reward of God is his blessing. It's his deliverance. It's him rescuing us. But there is another reward on the other side, and that is the reward of his wrath. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to call that a reward. But he says that our actions will be rewarded. And there's two elements to this. So first, let me talk to us as Christ followers. Our actions in response to pressing evil can actually cause us to gain reward. Good or bad reward. So in the midst of our trial or the midst of our situation, when evil is pressing in on us and we're desiring to break free, our attitude, our language, our thought life, our actions will all determine the reward that we gain from the Lord. We can be super nasty and fight evil with evil and gain the reward of wrath from God, or we can stand be confident, trust, declare, pray, gather those around us that have godly counsel, that can advise us in godly ways, and we can gain the reward of the righteous. The wicked, though, it says will be destroyed. But the godly, it says, will see the face of God, meaning that the godly will be rescued. And so that's the good thing for us is that if we are in this situation and evil is pressing against us and we desire to live a life of righteousness, then we will see the face of God. We will be blessed. We will be delivered. We will be rescued. But if we so choose to go against the enemy, 
and repay evil for evil, then a reward will be put on us that is ungodly. Therefore, it's important as Christ followers, we search our hearts for wickedness. David uses this term of wickedness. So anything from intimidation, manipulation, immorality, anger, gossip, slander, it all ties into wickedness. Anything that is opposite of the character of Christ, we need to constantly be asking God to search our hearts for so that we can be freed from wickedness. Because how can we prepare to battle against evil when it stays within our hearts? So we know that the wicked will slander us. We know that the wicked will manipulate and intimidate with their tongues and that they'll stalk us and they'll wait for us in ambush with their ungodly abuse. We know that, we recognize that, we understand that. But David explains that the hatred of the wicked for the righteous matches their ability like a bow and an arrow. David likens it and says that the wicked is like a skilled archer. They lay in wait They're devious. They watch. They stalk quietly. They know their prey. Several years ago, actually just not too long ago, it was actually two years ago, uh, a lot of times people don't ask me why I hunt. uh, And I do, but I just don't like really go hunting. One, because I'm too lazy to get up early. And uh, then I just really don't feel like, you know, messing with the animal and and the blood and all that stuff because I like to stay clean. Um, Yes, I know that's not manly, but um, I do have my man card. So, but anyway, um, I've been trained through the years and I'm a trained survivalist. I'm a trained survival instructor, legitimately licensed and also so forth. And we were trained how to stalk animals right, right up close to them without being heard, without being smelled. And it's a very hard skill. And so one of my pastimes, as crazy as you may think I am, I actually will stalk deer because they're some of the the hardest animals because of their ears and their sense of hearing and their smell. But I will stalk deer in my bare feet through the woods and I will get as close to them as I can as possible and I'll videotape the whole process. And so... One year, uh, I got so close to a doe that the, the breath of her was breathing on me and she could not figure out what I was because she couldn't gain my scent. And so I slowly backed away and I said, and I have it on video, and I said, I'm going to respect you for who you are and I'm going to step back. And so I slowly made my way out. And at that moment, I had a lot of authority that I could have taken the deer's life or I could have left it like I did. See, in the same manner, evil will stalk us. It'll stalk us quietly. It can tell where we've been and it waits in hiding. David says that it lays in the dark, ready to ambush us. Now, sometimes I want to say this. Sometimes we feel as though evil has the power and the authority to take our lives. And that power and authority only comes from God. 
So no matter how bad your situation may be, no matter how close to death you may think you are or how treacherous your situation is, God is still in control and we have to have that confidence. But he says that it's like an archer with accuracy. That's what David says. But here's the greater thing that we must remember. God is the ultimate archer. We have the ultimate resources, meaning our quiver of prophetic words, our quiver of the scriptures, our quiver of prayer, our quiver of fasting, our quiver of worship never runs out. So every time you reach for an arrow to stand against evil, it's always there. But we also have to understand if we don't live it as a lifestyle and practice it, then we uh, start to become off target and our accuracy becomes inaccurate. So when facing evil, we have to train daily for what we're doing. This is why we have to change the way we war. We have to change the way we war. The battle isn't open. When we think of a battle and evil pressing against us, a lot of times we're dealing with individuals, right? We're dealing with situations that individuals have brought on, but it's not directly them. The word of God tells us that we wrestle against spiritual forces. It's the the force that is behind the individual. It's not the individual themselves, but we're dealing with a spiritual force and that it is not on this type of plane, this type of level that we're dealing with it, but it is in heavenly places. And therefore we have to change the way that we war. A few years ago, I was at Asbury Woods and I go there from time to time and I like to just take walks and I like to pray. And I was coming off the trail just a few years ago and all of a sudden, and I love hawks. I like have this thing for hawks. Like I just love to watch them. They're so graceful in the air. And they have this keen look, this keen sense with their eyes that they can see for many, many distances. But there was something unusual today on this specific day. I didn't see the hawk in the sky. I actually saw this hawk swoop down and go to a tree. And it was close to me. And me being the nature guy, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, so I stop and I'm like observing the hawk and I'm like, you know, pretty, you know, and I'm taking photos, you know, I look like a tourist, you know, and I'm like, you know, and all of a sudden I see this hawk looking down and his head is turning, but his beak goes down, meaning he found something that I couldn't see. From where he was positioned, he was able to see something that I could not, something that was hidden. And so I watched him and I was getting ready. The path that I was going to take, I was actually going to walk over that direction and he swoops down and I watch his wingspan open up and he comes down and he lands on the ground and then he goes flying up and he's holding a snake in his talons. And he goes up and perches on this light post. And as I'm standing there watching this, 
First of all, I was amazed that I got to watch this, this happening in nature and I was really overwhelmed, but then God started to speak to me. And he started to speak to me, he says, Jason, you have to change the way you war. Like the hawk, you have to be in a position high up in the spirit with me. Because it is there where you will be able to look down into those hidden places where the enemy is lying in wait. And you will be able to go and attack instead of being ambushed by the enemy. And the Lord began to show me that how the snake was on my level, that if I would have kept walking, I wouldn't have seen it and I would have been ambushed or scared it away. But regardless, the Lord was saying, I can't fight on this level when evil is pressing in. I have to go up higher so I can be above the evil and come down with the strategy of God. And we have to change the way that we war church. We have to go up high. It says that evil lays waiting in the dark, but we stand in the light of the kingdom. So that when evil is there in the darkness, we come in with this incredible glory of God and we brighten everything up. It says in the word that Moses, when he came down off of the mountain from, from Mount Sinai and after he had given the 10 commandments, that his face shone with the glory of God. The only way that we can penetrate darkness, the only way that we can be light in darkness is we have to spend enough time with the one who gives the light, the light of glory, so that when we come out of his presence, we are so lit up with the glory of God glowing within us in the spirit that evil goes, okay, time out, time out. Things just got real. And so I will pose this question to you. Are you at this place in your relationship with Jesus, that when evil attacks you, with confidence, you can look and say, ha ha ha, I see you coming. And I saw you coming a while ago because of where I've been with Jesus. And I'm ready for you. So I will step into your darkness with the light and glory of God and you will be pushed back. Or are you at a place that when evil presses in, you fall down and you hide and you shake in fear. In times of incredible assault, adversity and pressure, we should be able to enter into the presence of God and become so overwhelmed by him that we forget why we even came to him in the first place. When we're so overwhelmed with pressure and adversity, we should come into the presence of God as a first response. And we're so overwhelmed by him and who he is and what he's capable of doing that we forget the first reason why we came there in the first place. And that means that's breaking free. Breaking free is not just about changing our perception, but it's also realizing that God is our justice. God is our justice. This is a hard one. 
Because what do we do with an estimated 27 million people who are in labor and, and sex trafficking? Because that's injustice. What, what do we do with, with the spouse that is verbally, mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually abusive? Because that's injustice. What do we do with that relationship, with that individual that we've grown close to, but they manipulate, they intimidate, they always have an agenda that comes against us, they slander our character. What do we do? Because that is injustice. Here's what David tells us. Look with me at verses four through six. It says, the Lord in his holy temple, the Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth and his eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. On the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. Wow, that is intense. For those that are wicked, it says that God hates with a passion. Hate is a very strong word. And he backs it up with saying, with a passion. That's even more strong. He says, look, look, look beyond what's going on. Look beyond your current situation. Look beyond the evil that is pressing in and look to me. Look to me because I will be your deliverer. I will be the one who rescues you. I will be your justice. And that's hard for us because who doesn't want justice right now? We all want our justice now. But when we choose to put our confidence in Jesus and we choose to war at a different way, that means we must submit to his timing and his way of justice. And that's hard for us. Jesus says, ultimately, I will be your salvation. I will be your rescuer. I will be your deliverer. And that word, uh, those words, holy temple, it actually describes to say that God's holy temple, his housing, his place is located, his palace is located in heaven. And it says that there in heaven, in his palace is a throne that is located and that throne is set. Meaning that no one can remove him from his position of authority. No one has that power to remove him. He is set. That means no matter what degree of evil we face, we have the ability to break free from it because his throne sits higher over it and no one can remove him from it. Now, he sees all of mankind from there. So church, I want you to listen to me for a minute. If you, if you get anything out of this this morning, I want you to, to tune in right now to what I'm about to say. It may seem as though the God of creation is inactive in your moment of evil right now. 
There are some of you in this place that evil is pressing on you from all sides. You have prayed, you have fasted, you have been worshiping, you have been sacrificing, you have been praising, you have been doing everything that you possibly can and you are still questioning and wondering, God, are you even alive? Are you paying attention? Are you aware of my situation? Are you ever gonna deliver me? And you have even pondered using your own strength, your own resources to be delivered from your situation of evil. And I'm going to encourage you today, don't take that route. It will not work. God is your justice. He sees the wicked and he sees the righteous and he has not forgotten you. You are not alone. You are not alone. And he will come to your defense. Because it's that word there, when, when David uses that word examines in this scripture, it's actually symbolic of a blacksmith taking, taking that metal and shoving it in the fire, this intense arena of heat. And he keeps shoving it in there until it's red hot. And he pounds at it over and over and over. And then he sticks it into the water and then he sticks it back into the fire and he waits till it gets red hot, till it's moldable, till it's pressing around to where he needs it to be. And in the same manner, God is examining the righteous, it says, that he is examining our character like silver and gold. And he's putting us, even when evil is surrounding us, he is examining our character and hammering it over and over and over, preparing us for what is even greater of a battle to come. Because here's why. Only our character will be left in the fire. Everything else will burn away. And our character will be left. And so when God tests the wicked and he puts them into the fire, when that evil goes in, nothing will come out because it'll be all burned up. Don't look at your situation. Look at what he's doing in you because he's also preparing you for something greater. He's preparing you as a warrior. And if you think your situation is tough now, he's training you to come out of it because the next situation you go into, you'll be able to defeat even quicker and even greater because of what you just came from. In his time, he will judge the wicked. His examination will be by fire and it tells us that he will give a cup full of his wrath. And I'm not talking about hell. It says he will give a cup full of his wrath out on those who are wicked against the righteous. So be patient, endure, wait, hang on, don't give up. Your deliverance is coming. Your ability to break free from evil is on the cusp. So don't stop now. It says also one day that he'll rain down fire on the earth and destroy the ungodly. And the only reason that is, is because he will give them opportunity over and over to repent. And when they don't, and when his time has come, he will release his wrath and his judgment on the wicked. 
Now I'm gonna leave you with some encouragement this morning. Psalm 11, verse seven says this, for the Lord is righteous and he loves justice. The upright will see his face. Violence and wickedness cannot mingle with the holiness of God. It's impossible. And so when we're living a life of righteousness, God comes to our rescue for when evil presses against us. And the Lord is so other than, because that's what holiness is, he is other than, when he is so other than, that means that his righteousness and his justice come together and they are released. And when they are released, we become delivered from our situation, from our issue, from the pressing evil that is coming in on us. And that is why the psalmist encourages us and says, I'm not gonna flee to the mountain. I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna listen to your advice to, to pack up and leave. I'm gonna stand because I'm confident in who I'm serving. I'm confident in my deliverer. And I'm not gonna look at the immediate circumstance because I'm gonna look at what's bigger, what's further out, what's greater, what's beyond and what's coming. I'm gonna see it because I'm gonna change the way that I war and I'm not gonna war from down here anymore, but I'm gonna war from up here with God and I'm gonna gain perspective of the evil that's pressing against me. So that way, when evil comes to me, I won't be surprised by what I see, but evil will be surprised that I'm ready. And that only comes by being in a place of close communion with Jesus. So we're going to challenge you to live this out. You're going to notice on your notes, if you flip your notes over on the back, there's a section that says living it out. That's exactly what it means. Living it out. Nothing tough, nothing hard about this. But first of all, I'm going to encourage you this week to do this. First of all, write down where the issue or the battle of evil originated in your life. What is it right now? What evil right now are you facing in your life that is trying to overcome you? Write it down. Write it down and ask the Lord and say, where did this originate from? Where did it come from? If we're willing to stop and listen, he's willing to speak. He's actually more willing to speak than we are to listen. So if we do our part, he'll do his. Write it down. The second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is reread Psalm 11. But then also read Psalm 34. And identify and write out the promises. The promises that God states against your issue or your battle from these two passages of scripture. I guarantee you the key is in there if you look for it. And once you've wrote, written those promises down, I'm going to ask you to pray through it. Pray through those promises this week. And I want you to biblically meditate on those scriptures and on those promises. I'm not talking about Easter and philosophy meditation, letting your mind go blank. I'm talking about filling your mind and your heart with the word of God, those promises that he has promised you. 
so that it's like great muscle memory within you. So immediately when evil starts to press in, your immediate response is, no, this is what it says in Psalm 11. No, this is what it says in this Psalm. And this is what God has promised me according to his word. And then finally, what is the weapon and the tactic that God is showing you to break free from this evil? Because there's a weapon that he has for you. Maybe some of you, he's going to call you to fast to break free from the evil that's pressing. Maybe some of you, he's going to call you to read through scripture because maybe lately you haven't been in the word like he's calling you to be in. And he's going to call you to get deep in the word. And that's going to be your weapon and your tactic and your strategy to break free from evil. And once you do, you need to write it down. Because when we write it down, it declares that it's important. If God gives us something, we need to write it down. And our writing down is our obedience to declare that it's important to him. It's important to us. So write it down. And then the second thing is you're going to declare it. You're not going to ask God. You're going to declare it because he's already stated it. You don't need to ask it when he already wrote about it. You simply declare it back to him. God, this is what you said. So now I'm declaring it. I'm declaring in my situation. I'm declaring it to the evil that I'm facing because this is what you said. And what you said will always last. It will never, ever fall away. It'll never, ever be destroyed. It will never, ever be overcome. And finally, go and live it out. Change what you are doing. Change how you are living and be prepared to break free. Let us stand. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it will stand through everything. Father, we thank you that your word is the final say, that our opinions and our emotions will always be there, but those will eventually fall away, God. And what will stand over all will be the truth of your word. And today, God, I pray that in the midst, when we are faced with evil, we will return to your word. We will turn to a place of prayer and worship. Father, that we will be eager to change our lives so that we can break through from what is pressing against us. Father, I pray that we would not be foolish, that we would not be foolish and think that we can wait it out and that evil will eventually retreat if we just wait it out. I pray that you will mobilize us, that you will convict us with your Holy Spirit. Push us to that place in you, Lord, where we will hear your voice and your strategy and we will break free from the evil pressing against us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Have a great day.